the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We're underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday. The sixth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And you know what that means. June 6th, 1944, the day that the world was saved. I know that's a little bit dramatic. Don't think it's overly dramatic. Don't think it's uncalled for. Don't think it's unfair. Don't think it's inaccurate. I post a picture on my social media whenever I'm allowed to post on my social media, whenever I'm not getting... um, censored by the social media overlords for posting things with which they disagree. And that happened again last night. I don't even know what I posted. They don't bother to tell you. They just said uh, against their community standards. So my account is restricted to all of my posts going to the bottom of people's news feeds. So basically they can't see them. Okay, whatever. But about every, uh, or not about, but every year at this time, I try to post something on June 6th just to remind everybody. And the picture that I have posted today is I think the same one from last year as my cover photo, and it's the beach 
at Normandy. It's 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 not the traditional one that you see of the boats um, just coming ashore. Uh, cameras behind the uh, the soldiers trying to rush the beach. That one is the one I think everybody sees. This one is different. This has just a, a kind of a close up photo of four medics. You you know they're wearing the the Red Cross band on their arms, and they're tending to the wounded. And one of them I think was one of their own, um, one of the medics. He's also got an armband on, but I can't see the Red Cross on it. But he's got the white armband on. And it's just it's just kind of significant of the carnage. It's kind of significant of the uh, the sacrifice, the terror. And we're talking about 1944. We're talking about something long before most of the people listening to this program right now were alive. Maybe there are still some in the greatest generation listening. God bless you and thank you, particularly World War II veterans. No matter where you served, you didn't have to have stormed the beach in Normandy. You didn't have to have been a part of the... Uh, entire uh, European campaign. You might have been in the Pacific Theater. But thank you. It goes without saying. But specifically because today, and this is what I wrote in my photo. That's where I was going with this. We owe a debt that can never be repaid. Thank you, boys, for literally saving the world. I don't think it's a stretch to say saving the world. If that, if that amphibious landing had failed, and, of course, it was preceded by the drop of the 101st Airborne um, behind enemy lines, which became a disaster, by the way. But if that whole campaign had failed on this date in 1944, we're not here right now. You understand that? We're not here right now. I don't know where we would be. I don't know where this country would be. I don't know where this world would be. I just know it wouldn't be where it is right now. Our country would not exist as it does. Europe would not exist as it does. I don't know what new war might have been started to try to strike back if if the Nazis had been able to maintain and continue to expand their hold over Europe. I, I don't know. I, 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 all I do know is the world was saved because of what started on this day. Now, that should, of course, be qualified by saying that everything that happened, all of the heroism that happened up to June 6th, and the D-Day invasion, of course, was every bit as integral to the effort that got us to victory as well. I, I don't want to overstate and say the whole war was fought in a day, or it started on June 6th. Obviously, it didn't. But you do understand the point, right? That this was the day that the entire war changed, and this is the day that the entire world was saved. So I just want to pay a little bit of respect uh, as I think we all should, you know, so many of these days come and go, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah. As time goes on, they just uh, kind of start to lose. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, lose their place. These events in our consciousness. That's what I'll say. You know, Memorial Day just happened, and hopefully everybody stopped and thought about, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Memorial Day. That's when all the soldiers died. Well. <laughs> Memorial Day is the day, the one day a year, that we choose to specifically recognize all of the soldiers who died fighting to defend and preserve liberty and freedom. And, of course, we'll have Veterans Day in November, and there's all kinds of different you know, markings, but, and they just kind of come and go because it's the passage of time. But I'll tell you what, I just, 
on June 6th, I hope people stop and think a little bit, and they stop and understand uh, exactly what um, what courage looked like. And I always say this too, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I won't sit here and dwell on this for the entire show. I promise. I promise. Just, just this is just stuff I have to say off the cuff here. When I look at these pictures, I'm reminded, like so many of the movie Saving Private Ryan, which it, when it came out, you may or may not recall, there were there were D-Day veterans who had to leave the theater because they couldn't take the re. You know the the traumatic stress that they suffered uh, was too much for them to relive it, because that movie did such a phenomenal job of capturing what real war was and what the real D-Day landing was all about and how it went down. Um, it's that realistic, and it's because of that realism, not verified by people like me who were not there, but by verified by people who were there that I use this as an example when I talk about this every year. There's a there's a, a short speech in the movie in which Tom Hanks' character, uh, the captain, um, is talking about his life, his real life. He said, I'm a teacher. I sometimes coach the baseball team in the spring. But he just talked about who he was and what he was. He wasn't born an army man. He's just a born a guy who, 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 who grew up, got educated, became a teacher, living his life in his community when the government said, let's go. Plucked out of his life like everyone else who was drafted. And of course, to say nothing of those who enlisted willingly. But just, you know, people tend to seem to, I think sometimes see fighters, you know, army men, like the little green plastic figures we all played with as kids. You had them, right? The little green ones, little plastic things, with each with a little platform. You know, sometimes they're holding a gun. Most of the times they're holding a gun, actually. But sometimes they're actually in, in poses that make you wonder, do they just get shot? I remember those army men and playing with them as if I was you know, six years old yesterday. And we just saw them as army men. And we think of army men as just this is what they are. Some people are football players, some people are doctors, and some people are army men. Well, in World War II, they weren't all army men. They weren't, they weren't all volunteers to go to war, although many did, of course. But in that war, in World War I before it, in Vietnam, in Korea, and in, in, in all the wars, well, not all the wars, let me rephrase, but until the end of the draft, certainly in, through Korea, these weren't army men who were born as army men and I'm ready to go be an army man. I'm ready to fight. These are people who were drafted out of their lives. They were just regular people who were said, here, learn to fire this, learn not to get hit by that, learn to storm this, crawl through that, um, and go do what we tell you to do. And they did. And it's heroism, and it's courage, and it's the the likes of which most of us can't understand. And that's why I'm sitting here babbling about it semi-coherently. Um, most of us can't understand what they went through and the fact that they weren't born to go through this. You know, we sit here in the comforts of our own homes, and we say, boy, thank God 
that somebody did that. But that somebody wasn't somebody like special that was created for the purpose of doing that. It was somebody just like us who got up, and maybe they were told to, but they got up uh, out of their living rooms, out of their kitchens, out of their lives, and, and were sent over there to do this, whether they wanted to or not. And they did it, and they saved the world. And I just can't, I can't reflect on it often enough, honestly, uh, to do it justice. But these were just regular people like you and me, and they saved the future for people like you and me. So uh, June 6, 1944, uh, today we commemorate uh, the D-Day invasion, the Normandy invasion. It was, uh, it was something that, of course, literally will affect every one of us and every, every bit of our progeny, future generations going forward. We'll look back on this day, and I hope never, ever, ever, ever stop thinking about it. And they never, ever forget uh, what true heroism and sacrifice look like. All right, with that, we've got a lot of news to cover today. We'll bring things current here after we get our Pledge of Allegiance. So, Patriots, please stand. Face your flag. Maybe do it with a little more pride than you do each and every day anyway after thinking about what day today is. That flag exists because they made it exist for us. They they preserved and protected it for us and liberty for everyone around the world because of their actions. Face that flag. Put your hand on your heart. If you are a Brandon supporter who does not understand what liberty is truly all about, then I understand that you really have no reason to pledge your allegiance to this flag, so you may feel free to go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, with pride. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. It is 9.19 on this Monday. Jim Jordan going to join us coming up at 9.35. Jonathan Broadbent going to talk to us about saving children from Pride Month. Wait, what? Yeah, no, it's it's a real thing, and I'll tell you what I mean by that and what we mean by that coming up at 10.10. Jim Jordan and Jonathan Broadbent are guests. we got a lot of news to get into right after this on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 923, Always Right Radio, online at alwaysright.com. News stories are up at alwaysright.com. Boy, what a, what a step in that is. Uh, alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. I named it .us for a reason, so it would stand out from the .coms. So my apologies. At any rate, uh, make sure that you check out alwaysright.us today. I've got brand new stories up there. The lead stories of the day are always up in the top left-hand corner of the page on a drop-down menu. Uh, so make sure you check those out today. Uh, there's a lot of very important stuff that we need to talk about today. Before I go into some of the news of the day, I'm going to get a quick call in here from John because he says he's got a D-Day story that he wants to tell from his childhood. So uh, I'm certainly on this day um, always interested in listening to perspectives like this. Uh, hey, John, go right ahead, sir. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm an older fella. So when World War II came along, mm-hmm. uh, we were my dad worked for Sylvania Electric and they in sales, and they made tubes and electronics for the government. And we were transferred from Detroit, where we lived, to to Boston, and we lived in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And a couple of weeks before the invasion, we went down and went swimming. And on the horizon, as far as the eye could see, there were, there were ships. 
and you know so we knew something was going on but and then in the then jeeps are running up and down parallel parallel to the beach and so we came home and sure enough about two weeks later uh my mom i was out playing ball in the vacant lot next door and my mom called me and she says listen listen to this and they they were announcing the 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 invasion so anyway uh, I want to make sure I heard you correctly, uh, John. Where where was this that you were that you saw the the ships in the in the, in the harbor and, and and all of the activity on the beach? Marblehead, Massachusetts. In Marblehead, Massachusetts. So this was... yeah, it's uh, right near the beach. It's not too far from the beach, from the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. Yeah. So well, it's uh yeah you know I obviously and thank you, John, uh, for the call and for sharing uh, your your uh, your memory there. Um, it's, you know, it's people, people who were there that need to share everything that they do recall, um, with the younger generations. It's kind of like our nine 11, well, I shouldn't say our nine 11. We talk about nine 11 and people always say, where were you when Pearl Harbor was bombed? Uh, people talk about where were you when MLK and when, when, uh, when JFK were shot, all those kinds of moments, um, I tell my story every year on the radio. I've been blessed enough to be on the radio since 9-11-2001. That was the first day I talked about something other than sports on the radio. My career to that point uh, had been all about sports radio, but I went on my sports radio station and talked about what happened on 9-11 that day. um, And I'll continue to do that literally until the day I die, or, or, you know, and that means on the radio or off. We do have to share our, our experiences and our memories of the monumental days of what were our present that became our past in order to share it with the next generations. We really do. And so things like that from those who were part of the greatest generation, uh, who remember Pearl Harbor, who remember, you know, D-Day, the Normandy invasion, and all of the other monumental days of the years gone by, we really do have to share those with the younger generations in order to make sure that they are, you know, as the old saying goes, never repeated. We have to recognize threats before they happen so that they are never repeated. That's the old adage about history. Those who forget it will always repeat it. They're condemned to do so. All right, a uh, couple of quickies I want to get into uh, here before we get to the bottom of the hour because it is late, and we do have Jim Jordan coming up on the other side. A phenomenal presentation by Jim Jordan um, as a part of the Judiciary Committee late last committee hearing late last week as the Democrats tried to push forward with no less than eight different gun control measures in response to the Uvalde school shooting, the Buffalo grocery store shooting, and other terrible events. They're coming for the Second Amendment, and they're coming strong. And Jim Jordan had no problem stating so in that Judiciary Committee hearing. Everyone here knows the reality. Democrats are in control of the House. Anything that you and Speaker Pelosi want to pass, you can pass. And frankly, you've already passed numerous bills related to firearms this Congress. But because those bills are radical attempts to legislate away Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, the Senate has not taken up the legislation, just like it won't take up this bill. What we are doing here is just designed to appeal to Democratic primary voters. The bill won't make our schools safer. It will hamper the rights of law-abiding citizens, and it will do nothing to stop mass shootings. We need to get serious about understanding why this keeps happening. Democrats are always fixated on curtailing the rights of law-abiding citizens rather than trying to understand why this evil happens. Until we figure out the why, we will always mourn losses without fixing the problem. Our job is to figure out the why. 
The bill that Democrats are putting forward today does not help us to understand what's really driving some young men to commit these heinous acts. The bill before us is short-sighted and not solutions-oriented. It's a one-size-fits-all approach that punishes law-abiding citizens while doing nothing to make our community safer. We all want to keep children safe in school, but this bill wouldn't do that. This bill is just another Democrat attack on the Second Amendment, and it's likely just the start. President Biden has said he wants to ban all 9mm handguns. Where does it end? The American people expect and deserve more from us than political charades that rehash old ideas and don't actually solve the underlying problems. Mr. Chairman, we should do better than this. I yield back and look forward to the debate on the legislation. Congressman Jim Jordan at the uh, Judiciary Committee hearing last week about the Democrats' gun grab. And make no mistake, it is exactly that. Jim Jordan will join me right after the news to expand upon those comments and more right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny always right radio with bob france and the answer and online at always right.us always right.us check it out lead stories of the day are there and i think you'll also find uh that uh, uh some of the remarks that i just played for you from the judiciary committee hearing last week with congressman jim jordan laying out what the reality of the democrats plans were and that is to essentially win votes in the midterm elections because nothing they were proposing with respect to gun control, uh, would do anything to make children safer. Would do anything to have stopped what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Joining us now for more on that and more is Jim Jordan, our fourth congressional district representative and the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, which, of course, uh, votes on this legislation. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing today? All right. Uh, appreciate you coming on, as always. It was uh, a yeah. really remarkable thing over the course of the last few days of last week, uh, listening to Joe Biden call for... Uh, a new, new assault weapons ban. Failing that, he said, raising the age to 21. He wanted red flag laws uh, to be in place. He somehow thinks these things are going to stop shootings in, in schools like Uvalde. But when his press secretary was asked about how we protect the kids when somebody does get a hold of yeah. a firearm that uh, uh, they shouldn't have and uh, go in and commit terrible acts like this, uh, what about hardening the schools? And the press secretary said he's not for that. He is opposed to the hardening of schools. Congressman, help me help me make sense of that. Well, there is no making sense of that, but you do see the Democrats' motives. Their motive here is to simply take the Second Amendment away from uh, your Second Amendment liberties away from law, law-abiding Americans. I mean, it's about getting your guns. I mean, this, this bill that we had, we, we, we debated it for, I don't know, eight, ten hours on, on uh, last Thursday, and the Democrats passed out a committee. Uh, it, it tells you what kind of gun you can get, when you can get a gun, and where and how you have to store it in your own darn home. I mean, a, a law-abiding Americans. So it's not about hardening schools increasing the security posture and presence at schools and making sure the learning environment is safe for students and teachers. It's not about that. It's about taking away your Second Amendment rights, plain and simple. And if you had any doubt about that, just look at what the Democrats said. Joe Biden said a week ago, I want to take away 9mm handguns, the most popular handgun that, that Americans use to, to protect themselves and their families and their property. He said he wants to take away that. Michael Moore said it's time to get rid of the Second Amendment. In that committee hearing last week, uh, Mondaire Jones says, if you don't do this stuff, we will get rid of the filibuster. We will expand the court. We will do whatever it takes to take away guns. That's what they want to do 
and it was, I think, plain and uh, plain and simple for uh, uh, Americans to see last week. You know, uh, Congressman, there was one other Democrat, and I apologize that I cannot remember which one it was, who I think said something even more troubling, which was, don't give me all of that Constitution nonsense. Paraphrasing here. Don't tell me about the Constitution here. Uh, people are dying, literally saying we should put aside the Constitution as if that document is just a list of suggestions and not what literally has given us this republic, what literally has guided and protected and defended and, and allowed us to live freely uh, since yeah. the inception of this country. They are literally really willing to, and, and now saying it out loud, the hell with the Constitution, the people want us to do something, and we want those people to vote for us, so we're going to do something. That's ultimately what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and it it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, think about the last year and a half, all the attacks we've seen on the First Amendment. I mean, you know, I always say that, you know, for, for, for the longest time, there were places all across this country where a full congregation was not allowed to meet on a Sunday morning because of because of mandates from from left-wing governors and mayors and, 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 and government. Um, uh, you know, your, your attack on free speech rights, your attack on your right to go to your own darn capital. Nancy Pelosi kept it closed for a year. You could even go in to petition your member of Congress. So these attacks on your First Amendment rights, your free speech rights under the First Amendment, it shouldn't surprise us that now they're coming after your Second Amendment uh, liberties as well. That's just what the left does. They, they To them now... The left, they're the authoritarians, and it's all about do it their way or you're not allowed to talk. Do it their way or we're going to take you. I mean, it's just that's who they are. Uh, Congressman, I want to... I want to talk about two very important words here, and this refers to the red flag laws. Um, and those two words are due process. Now, we know that the left has has made it very, very clear that they are not necessarily believers in due process. Again, a constitutional right afforded us by our, our founders. Um, they don't believe in due process. We know this because they impeached Donald Trump for the second time yeah. without due process. They literally did not allow the, the president to uh, put up witnesses and put up testimony in his behalf. They just said, we don't like what you did. We're, we're, we're sending this to the Senate for a new trial. We all remember what happened after uh, uh, after um, uh, January sixth. So now they're telling basically every every gun owner in America, we can take your gun from you without due process. If somebody says we think you're that they think you're a threat, that they think you might be planning something, it doesn't matter if it's true. Doesn't matter what your situation is. We can take your guns, make you hire a lawyer. And go to court and put and, and put all kinds of your life on you know different aspects of your life on hold in order to go back and 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 regain yeah. the constitutional right that was just stripped of you because somebody who may not like you says they think that you're a threat, Congressman. They can't really be for this, can they? Well, that's what that's what they're talking. But you've described it exactly right, Bob. And I would just add one thing to it: when they have that hearing uh, where someone is alleged you're not you're not mentally fit to have a firearm, <clears throat> when they have that hearing. You're not allowed to be there. So you can't even be present at the hearing where they're getting ready to take away your constitutional liberty. So there's no way this, this comports with the Fifth Amendment due process rights we're entitled to as law-abiding American citizens. So you're not allowed to be at the hearing. You're not allowed to confront your accuser. You don't even know who your accuser is initially. They just sign, some, uh, just sign an affidavit and say, oh, this person is not fit to have a firearm. It could be someone trying to get back at you for who knows what reason. Right. That is a very dangerous place to go. But that is what they're talking about. And here's the worst part. you got Republican senators talking about putting together a package and, uh, or, or financial incentives, uh, incentives to states who implement this kind of law, this so-called red flag law. I, I hate this stuff. Because it is, it is, 
it's it's so wrong, so such a violation of your Second Amendment liberties, and more importantly, such a violation of your due process Fifth Amendment liberties. That that is what is is, is so wrong about this. So I hope we can stop this, but they're going to put it on the floor of the House this week, and of course the Senate's talking about this uh, this concept as well. Yeah, and and it is reprehensible that anybody, any Republicans, anybody at all, but certainly the Republicans who are supposed to know better, uh, would get behind something like this. Let me pivot to 486, uh, Congressman Jordan. We're talking to Jim Jordan, uh, ranking member of, House, of the House Judiciary Committee. Um, 486, that's the new national average. Yep. It's a new record. We're yep. setting a new record basically every day. The Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, said, yeah, get used to it. It's going to be this way pretty much uh, at least through the end of the year and maybe beyond that. But we're supposed to be excited about the fact that Joe Brandon is supposedly going to Saudi Arabia next month, hat in hand to say, please pump more oil, please produce more oil, please share it with us, because he refuses to maximize uh, energy uh, production here in the United States, Congressman. Now, in their, their position, as you know, uh, as your listeners, though, makes absolutely no sense. It's one way or the other. Either you're for oil and gas or you're not. You can't say, oh, we're, we're for oil and gas in foreign countries, but we're not for it here in the United States, and we're going to go this whole green energy route, and we're going to talk about that. So it is, it is just ridiculous. And the idea that they didn't see all this coming, I mean, when you put in place the policies they did, get rid of the Keystone Pipeline, stop, stop production in Anwar, uh, reduce the, the amount of leases on federal, when you do all that, you send a message to the world market, price has to go up. And then you couple that with all the other dumb things they've done, like increasing spending like crazy and paying people not to work. I mean, Janet Yellen last week said she's surprised at the inflation. I'm like, what? How can you be surprised? You, you spend like crazy, you pay people not to work, and, and, and you drive up the cost of energy. Any, anybody can figure out that's going to lead to record inflation, which is what we have. And, and driving so much of that is their ridiculous energy policies. So, yeah, this makes no sense, and the country understands it makes no sense. That's why it's... Joe Biden's approval rating is in the in, in the 30s, uh, and and the wrong track numbers for our country have never been worse. Well, meantime, uh, let me ask you a question with no answer, and that is, what do we do? What does the average American do when it's 486 a gallon and going up? Expected to be a national average of over five dollars by the middle of this month, maybe six by the end of this summer, uh, and of course, it's already six and seven in yeah. certain areas of the country. What do we do, Congressman? I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I mean, we we have to find a way to survive this and, and until November, yeah. and then even in November, I don't know if there's anything that you guys, if you were to regain the majority, can do about this. But the only person who can do anything about this refuses to, because I guess things are going according to plan. This is what he called it—an incredible no. transition away from fossil fuels. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, no, uh, you're right. This is this is intentional. This is deliberate. We've talked about this many times. What they're doing to energy, what they're doing to the price of goods and, uh, and services across the country, what they're doing to our border." It's all intentional, and any anyone with common sense can, can figure that out. Uh, what we do is you show up and vote, which Americans are going to do, and then if they put Republicans in, we have to fight this every step of the way. Um, I do think it's also interesting. President Trump called this. He said this months ago. He goes, you wait. We're going to see 6 and $7 gas. And unfortunately, it looks like he's going to be right. Um, th- th- that, is, that is what the left has, has given our, our great country. And it is is so wrong. It's so frustrating. It's so harmful to families. But um, that's that's just today's left. So yeah, the where, where how Americans speak out against this and, and, and turn it around is is they show up on election day and send a message to uh, 
to the to the left that this is uh, this is ridiculous. In the meantime, they have to try to survive check to check, paycheck to paycheck, week to week, month to month. They've got to find a way to survive and spread their budget even thinner. Something that the federal government, yep. of course, never has the obligation of doing. They can continue yeah, no to kidding. spend again and again and again. Um, and, and, go ahead, Bob. And I would just say this: here's here's the thing that bugs me so much is it, this these ridiculous policies. These intentional policies never seem to harm the, quote, elites who live in D.C. and Philadelphia and New York and San Francisco. You know, the people who think they're so much smarter than us. Than us. And we've talked about this before, but, the, 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 you know, they think they're so much smarter than us folks here in flyover country, us, us, us Midwestern hillbilly kind of folks and their attitude. And that's the part that, that really just adds insult to injury is the arrogance that these people have for people in Ohio who make things, move things, and grow things. Out here in Ohio, we build things. We're in manufacturing, construction, agriculture, where we grow things. And then the trucking industry across this great state, it's like you got to move goods. That's, that's how it happens. And when you put in these stupid policies, it drives up the cost of everything and disproportionately hurts folks like the good people in our great state who are in the business of making things, moving things, and growing things. Well, since you're talking about raising the prices of things, all things, and you're exactly right about that, Biden, according to this report, has privately grumbled, quoting Breitbart, to uh, to top White House officials over the administration's handling of inflation, expressing frustration over the past several months that aides were not doing enough to confront the problem directly. So it's kind of interesting. Publicly, he and everyone who represents the White House says this is Putin's price hike we're all dealing with, but privately, he is he is basically acknowledging that his administration is failing and it's frustrating him that they don't have the answers. I thought when he ran for president, he said he had the answers, but apparently the buck stops <laughs> down the hall in the AIDS yeah. offices or cubicles yeah. because they're the ones that he's angry about for not solving yeah. Biden inflation. Yeah, and and uh, the uh, and that we were going to have a calm and we we're going to get back to quote normal and all the all the other BS they tried to sell the American people that uh, we, we knew was not going to be uh, what what would happen in the Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, look, it just it just shows how how out of touch these folks are, and I think more importantly shows how they're intentionally doing this. They they are literally intentionally doing this to the country, which is the hard part for us all to grasp because you would never think that you would have a commander in chief, a president of the United States, who would be doing things that intentionally make life tougher for working class, middle class families across this great country, but that's exactly what uh, this administration is doing. No question about it. Last thing for you, Congressman, this is just a very frustrating thing to me. First of all, this is uh, National Indoctrination Month. Some people call it uh, um, Grooming Month. Other people call it Pride Month. But what I call it is uh, dangerous, particularly as it pertains to kids. And now the Biden administration, according to multiple reports, is ready to withhold federal funding to schools that do not allow boys and girls showers locker rooms bathrooms etc now you know as well as i do that obviously those school lunch and breakfast programs and even after school uh, meal programs are for the most impoverished kids the kids who need it who, who wouldn't be getting good nourishment at home if it weren't for these he's willing to let poor kids starve if schools aren't woke enough to allow little boys to go in and traumatize little girls in their in their private spaces yeah no this is this just shows you how radical the left is and what they will do to uh, further their their crazy radical agenda. And I think what it what it what it really shows is how much you're going to see moms and dads across this country demand school choices. We, I, I've said this I've said this on TV interviews. Um, 
I don't think I don't think voters should vote for any person running for any office unless they support school choice. Unless they support moms and dads deciding what's what's best for their kids, where they're going to get the best education. It don't I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. Do not vote for them unless they support school choice and unless they support this fundamental concept that parents know what's best for their kids. Parents know better than government what's best for their kids. So I, I think I think this is just one more crazy thing. And you're seeing some pushback. I saw at least in in the uh, in in Florida, you saw the uh, uh, some of the baseball players for Tampa Bay said they weren't going to wear this this logo. They, they, yeah. and they they spoke out. And you're seeing Ron DeSantis saying we're not going to give you a bunch of tax money if you're going to continue to push this this radical, you know, get involved in politics in, in the in the sports world. So I think you're seeing some pushback, and you're certainly going to see it from moms and dads as we go forward. Yeah, no question about it. And I'm so glad there were just five players, but I'm glad there were some who stood up for their own faith and they said, we're not going to be wearing this rainbow version of our, our logos uh, because it is not something that we believe in because of our faith. I'm glad they had the courage to do that. Not enough people do. And that's because they risk being canceled. And that's that's the danger of this entire thing, of having this Pride Month, that if you aren't marching in a parade with somebody, you are going to be perceived as being bigoted or some kind of phobic or another, and that you are going to have to pay the price for that. And that's what makes it so dangerous. Uh, I said last thing, but I am going to ask you about June 6, because I spent about 15 minutes unprompted this morning. I just introduced the show and yep. mentioned that it was June 6, and of course, had D-Day. to talk about yep. D-Day. Everybody has thoughts about it. Just I wanted to maybe a minute or two on uh, your thoughts on what this day means. Well, I mean, this, this was, I mean, the greatest generation, and that day, I think, just shows what this generation was willing to do for for freedom, for our country. And I, I say all, all the time that the United States military has always stood for freedom, and not just for Americans but for countless number of people around this planet. They have stood for freedom, and they've been willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice to advance freedom and to advance liberty. And this is a day that, uh, you know, what they did on that beach, I mean, on those beaches, um, y- you know, it's, it's, it's truly amazing. And uh, what is it now, 78, 70, 78 years, I guess, wow, um, since uh, – since that 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 day, which was uh, you know obviously huge when it came to what happened in Europe and, and ultimately uh, ending the evils of, of Nazi Germany. Yeah, and we have precious few left uh, from that great generation, and even yep. fewer who huh. were even fewer who were dispatched to uh, that, those beaches on that day to save the world. They literally saved the yeah. world, and uh, uh, yeah. we we need to we need to pay them all of the respect we can while they if are I here could to just, hear it. Just one, you made me think of something real quick. I met a, now it wasn't D-Day, but it was, it was a, a tail gunner. This is a few, this is three, I think three years ago, I was speaking at a little little church on uh, on July 4th weekend. And this guy was, I think at the time, 93, still in great health. And was was just a little, and most of those tail gunner guys were, were small guys. But boy, the, just the, the, the attitude he had, the love he had for this country. You know, think about those guys in that little, that little tail gunner's nest or whatever they called it. Fighting out of these, fighting the bad guys. I mean, that was a, a amazing group of people, amazing generation of people, I should say, um, who did so much for our great country. Amen to that. Thank you. I knew you'd have something uh, you, you wanted to share with that because we all should. Congressman Jordan, thank you so much for the work you do. We appreciate you it. We'll talk to you thank next you. Week. All right. There's Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer it's 954. We'll get a time out here. We'll come back. See if we can get a call or two in before the top of the hour. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer.
Okay, 958, thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Jim Jordan. If you missed any part of that conversation, you'll hear it, uh, or you'll find it, rather, on our webpage, which is alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. That'll be coming up uh, a little bit later on this morning. So we were talking about the the prices, 486, an average uh, is the national average now for a gallon of gas, 486. It has literally doubled doubled since Joe Biden took office. And they continue, do the Biden uh, uh, supporters and the Biden administration, continue to blame Vladimir Putin for it. Because it's gone up a dollar thirty cents since Putin invaded Ukraine. Well, what about the other dollar forty cents since you were uh, uh, inaugurated? What about your own extraordinary decisions to destroy fossil fuels? You put it in words. Remember, you said you were going to do it. Now you're doing it. Now all Americans are paying the price, and it's only going to get worse. That's right. And the energy secretary sees no sign of it slowing down, saying, quote, there will be more demand for gasoline, more demand for oil that will cause additional upward pressure like it does every year. It's on top of already high prices. So this is going to be rough. Through the end of the year, she says. Stuart, break it down for us. Let's be clear. We are in the middle of an inflationary spiral. Inflation is out of control. And that's, that's causing great anger and anxiety all across the country. We've got a brand new record high for gasoline prices as of this morning. You're up to $4.84 per gallon. That's as of this morning, national average. By the end of next week, you're probably up to $5 on average nationwide. And it may be a half dozen states will have gasoline at $6 a gallon. Now that's an inflationary spiral. You're using spiral in an inflationary spiral. When Republicans are in office, we see an inflationary downturn, a huge decline. When Democrats get in power, we see inflationary spirals. Go look at the gas prices for the eight years of the Obama administration, the four years of the Trump administration, and now the first year and a half of the Biden administration. You'll look like you're on a roller coaster at Cedar Point. High hill up at the top in the Obama administration. Massive deep plunge that we all enjoy the woo during the Trump years. And now we're climbing back up. And in fact, we have already surpassed the first hill, the one in the, uh, in the line graph, if you will, from the Obama administration. I want, to, I want you to talk more about that with me at 216-901-0945, Right back after the news. Always right radio on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. It's a Monday, the sixth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. D-Day plus 78. D-Day plus 78. It's really a, an amazing thing to think about when you put it in those terms. Those 20-year-olds, some of them younger. I remember re- reading and hearing stories of people who are uh, young men, particularly who after Pearl Harbor were so incensed that they went and they lied on their... Uh, 
on their enlistment papers about their age. They were under 17, under 18, or excuse me, under 18, maybe 17, 16, 15 in some cases, just so that they could go fight. Um, so very precious few of those those heroes from that those, the greatest generation are, are still around today. Uh, you just heard a clip there in the news, an interview with one of them who was uh, who stormed the beaches on uh, June 6, 1944. And uh, we need to treasure these people, treasure them for literally saving the world every opportunity that you get. I won't dwell too much on it for the entirety of the show, but I will tell you every time I mention the date, we're going to talk about it at least a little bit. Jim Jordan had some great reflections on that as well. But let's come current now, and let's talk about what's going on right now in the United States of America. Some people call the month of June Pride Month. I don't know who exactly decided it would be called Pride Month or when, but um, a lot of other people call it something different, uh, such as Indoctrination Month, such as Recruitment Month, such as Grooming Month. Because that is exactly what so much of the LGBTQ movement is all about. It's not about dancing in the streets and saying, look at me, I'm proud because I'm gay. Because to be quite honest with you, if that's all they did, I wouldn't give a rip. I don't care. I think it's kind of stupid. I don't dance in the streets and yell, yay, I like sex with women. So I don't know why men need to dance in the streets and yell, yay, I like sex with other men. I'm gay. I, I don't get it. I don't agree with it, but go ahead. If that's all that it is, you want to have yourself a month in which you say you're proud to be whatever it is, you know, kind of a lifestyle choice that you make, fine. You can even be as delusional as you want to be and say, I'm a male in my body, but in my mind I don't think so. I'm trans. I don't care. I don't. What I do care about is when you're using this to drag children into it, no pun intended, although it's probably could have been, to drag, show, children into this lifestyle. Because the more membership there is in this lifestyle of the LGBTQ, XYZ, and all the other uh, numerals and letters and symbols and everything else that go into the, into the alphabet there, into that soup, the more, the more children you can drag into those but under some category or another, the more political power that you have. And that is ultimately what I believe most of this is about. And they're harming kids in the process. That's why I call it Recruitment Month and Grooming Month. Joining me now to discuss this is a familiar voice on this program. Jonathan Broadbent has been with us uh, several times. Jonathan has made it his mission to try to go to public school districts all over Northeast Ohio, not just the one in which he lives, but all over Northeast Ohio, to try to stop the indoctrination of kids on everything from, yes, CRT, which is not what we're talking about today, but also SEL, social emotional learning, also about CSE, comprehensive se- comprehensive sexual education, which is the tool by which they go uh, that they use to recruit young children into this lifestyle. He joins us now to talk about Pride Month and some of the terrible things we see going on on around the country uh, in its honor. Jonathan, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Good. Good morning, Bob. Glad to be back on the program. So you, uh, can I just jump right in? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you a leading question, but uh, if you want to respond to just what I've said already, go ahead. Yeah, I sort of want to because I was just listening to what you were saying, and you brought you draw an important distinction, and that has to do with lifestyle and the boundaries that children should have in order to be able to enjoy their childhood. So I, I kind of picked up on that, and it really resonated with me because there's a big element of like. For the most part, people don't care what stuff you want to do in your life. But as soon as you start bringing it into school, 
and sort of forcing it in, it becomes something else. It's an entirely different category from lifestyle choices. It becomes, what the heck are you exposing our children to, and why, and what if I don't agree with it or don't like it? And it doesn't necessarily, as you pointed out, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're opposed to that thing. It just means you want to protect your children and allow them to, to find their own way. So I, I wanted to throw that in because I was kind of picking up on what, what you were well, putting no, down. You're, you're right, John, Jonathan, you really are. Um, and um, and that is exactly where I was kind of going, uh, going with it. And it's not just exposing kids to it. And we'll talk about a couple of stories um, that are examples of this in a moment, but it's not just about exposing kids to it. It's about involving them in it. It's about involving them to the point where you're trying to show them how fun it is and how cool it is to be and how trendy it is to be gay or to be trans or to be non-anything or to be by this or to be uh, two-spirit that. All of these different things that they're trying to pull kids into because there's a lot of different elements of the of the uh, the rainbow, if you will. Um, and, and that alphabet that we talked about. So it, it's bad enough that, that we, you know, have to deal with public schools and sadly some private schools, even some religious schools in exposing kids to it. It's another thing when they, when they literally ask them to and their parents agree to and push them to participate in these things, Jonathan, because now, now we're in recruitment phase, not just exposure. No, I completely agree. And I actually left up on my screen through my work at volunteer work at Protect Ohio Children. I've stumbled onto a, a great guy in social media. He's all over Facebook and various social media by the name of Frank McCormick. He started something called Chalkboard Heresy. The quick, long, and short of it is he's a uh, he's a teacher who kind of started to buy in and then threw the brakes on, and now he's getting all this social backlash for, for being one of those teachers stepping out from school districts. I think he got fired for being a... Um, I think we may have just lost Jonathan. Um, Are you there? Jo- yeah, you know what? You, you, you broke up and crackled a little while, but now you're clear again. Let's try that again. Go ahead. You were talking about Mr. Oh, McCormick. Sorry about that. I think of. That's okay. I think that's my mobile phone. So, yeah, so Mr. McCormick, quick long short of it is, he's a uh, teacher, I think, in the Chicago area, who saw this stuff for what it is. He kind of started to buy in a little bit, but then he he backed out of um, all the woke indoctrination stuff, and now he's, he's getting huge backlash. Uh, I think he was fired from his teaching position, but he started something called Chalkboard Heresy. And he had a quote yesterday. I found it again. I just put it up quote it, it's a great quote uh, to sort of factor into uh, what you're saying. So Frank McCormick posted yesterday, Drag Queen Story Hour is made up of men that decided it would be fun reading to children in women's panties. Parents that believed that there was value in that, and children who have been failed by adults. It's sicker than you think. It is every bit of that. Uh, it is sicker than you think, um, and you know I'm 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 astounded by some of the stories that we that we are hearing. And uh, 
Jonathan, I want to ask you about one specific one that I sent you a, a, a text about this morning when I asked you to come on and talk about this with us. Because for those who don't know, Jonathan, you're very active in Protect Ohio's Children North, Protect Ohio Children North, rather, uh, which is a very important organization. I kind of described what you do and what others who are part of the organization does, and that's going around to try to talk to and educate uh, parents and school boards about what's going on and hold them accountable for those things. So uh, so Protect Ohio Children North, again, Jonathan, is, is one of the leaders of this. Uh, this is in Ohio, but it might as well be because this is the kind of thing that is happening in Ohio. We've talked about this, in fact, where there was a uh, there was a bar that was uh, having children come down to it. I don't remember exactly the city anymore, but a little over a year ago, I think we talked about this, having children come down and participate in these drag shows. The little kids were, were, were dancing in, uh, in women's clothes, too, I believe, and, putting, uh, and, and, and strange adult men were putting dollars inside their clothes, and all of these things were going on. But what shocked a lot of people over the weekend is this story from the, uh, uh, from the uh, city of Dallas, A newly opened Dallas gay bar called Mr. Mr. hosted what they called a child-friendly drag show on Saturday. And I posted pictures of these signs. They are neon signs. So these aren't just something they slapped on the wall for for the moment. These are neon signs that they bought and paid for. That includes, and if you'll excuse me, Jonathan and everybody listening right now, I just have to read these. It's not going to lick itself is one of them. And the other one says, I licked it, so it's mine. Now, these are two neon signs that they have inside of this gay bar. The child-friendly drag show was hosted there in which, well, little kids were encouraged to do exactly what I just described, and that is go down the runway walking with the males in women's undergarments, uh, talking about how they want to be divas. Uh, they were encouraged, the drag queens encouraged the little kids to pick their favorite diva, their favorite drag queen to partner with, and then they would hand children money and tell them to give the money to the drag performers. And I'll stop there so we don't get everybody losing their breakfast right now. But Jonathan Broadbent, I wanted you to respond to some of what's going on down there, and of course the fact that this isn't limited to one location of the country. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. And it's it's tough to beat that with something even more gross and disgusting, but um, I'm afraid I have to. In in my role in Protect Ohio Children, we're not only trying to address these matters and trying to get them out of communities, but along the way, I've made some pretty profound discoveries about the reasoning behind it. The reason this stuff exists is because that there there is an objective. There is a goal attached to this stuff, and it's it's awful. It's sinister and awful. So I'm going to throw a couple of things in because I think they factor into the conversation. Um, and I, I think they definitely fit in in understanding. I won't say understanding the enemy, but, well, I guess maybe I'll put it that way. Understanding right. the enemy. That's fair. There's, yeah. I, um, just as a, a little side note, backstory, I studied German and lived in Germany for a little while. In Germany, it's not well talked about, it's not well known that one of the elements of the Nazi party during their rise was including these vaudeville shows of children dancing erotically with each other. And that sort of stuck with me through my entire life, having learned about that stuff and having learned about the Nazi party from understanding German, etc. But more, more recently, I have a very close friend of mine who he and his wife left Russia and moved here. And he made a comment recently that really 
sort of dropped my jaw. And that is, it's pretty widely known in Russia that during the rise of the Soviet, um, the, the um, Marxist movement toward communism, there was a big push to blur the line in between genders. He told me that specifically, and they talk about it, and it's very well known, but somehow, until recently, when I started talking about this stuff and fighting back against it, I had no idea. That was actually an element of the rise of, of communism in Russia. So my point is that while this stuff seems to be growing and you get these copycats like this bar you, you, you texted me this morning, it's disgusting, I think it's important in our conversations to understand where it comes from and what the objective is. For, certainly, we want to organize against it and, and fight back, contact um, legislators, etc. But I think as a starting point, we need to know it's not just somebody thinks it's going to be really cool for them to advocate for a particular lifestyle. There is a very clear goal. It's pr probably too long for this radio program, but we talk about it on Protect Ohio Children North, and it comes, it's talked about pretty openly, and no left turn in education, parents defending education, and all these national organizations. It does something to the child's brain, and it, it has a series of, of different really ugly goals. One of them is separating them from the concept of parent, of mom and dad, and asserting this this new value system that puts state and lifestyle and immediate gratification above family. That's uh, that's a lot, uh, Jonathan. We're talking with Jonathan Broadbent with uh, Protect Ohio Children North. Uh, Jonathan is a is a dedicated protector of the family. Everything you just said is is troubling. Um. We've heard, Mar I'm going to tie this to Black Lives Matter for a second, because Black Lives Matter was born, according to many people who just don't want to know the, know the truth, of just saying that all black lives in the United States have value, which, of course, they do. Nobody would argue with that. But that's not what Black Lives Matter really is. Black Lives Matter isn't about black lives actually being valuable. Black Lives Matter is a political organization, as admitted by the co-founders of BLM, who said they are trained Marxists. And as trained Marxists, one of the things that they want to do to advance the goals of Marxism, and one of the things they have to do, is break down the family, to break down the Western prescribed structure of the nuclear family. So everything you just said about the communist aspect of, uh, you know, uh, you know, when they were moving from Marxism to communism in Russia, uh, blurring the lines between genders and so on and so forth, it kind of makes sense here. It kind of makes sense. Now, that's not to say that every person who is running around, every male is running around in girls' underwear, uh, is, is trying to become, you know, Stalin. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that they're all participating in something. Maybe they know, maybe they do not. Maybe they're unwilling or unwitting, rather, pawns in a larger movement for those who do know the history you're talking about. John, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I spend a lot of my time wondering which is which, and it's really hard to tell. I think that there are some people out there, well, in my mind, I'm certain that there are people out there that understand what's going on and are all for it. And in your example, those the folks from Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, excuse me, they they clearly advocated for Marxism from the beginning and did absolutely nothing for any black lives other than 
than themselves, buying mansions and that sort of thing, which to me is a clear indication of Marxist socialist objectives. But I think you're spot on. I think that the, the mission of all of this stuff is throw everything all at once as fast as you can into the American system, the Western value system, to try to overwhelm it with uh, all this Marxist indoctrination stuff. And this, uh, all of this transgender, cross-dressing, uh, all this stuff, all factors in. It's all part of the same package deal. So, People so, may not so, want so to admit that. Question, I, John, a bigger question then is, is how big is this movement to make this happen? Because we decided, is, is it a federal government designation that June is Pride Month? Or did somebody just start saying it out loud, and so it just became adopted, and corporations started doing it, they're, they're rainbowing all of their logos, and for an entire month they're celebrating this, uh, this lifestyle and, 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 and this deviant, uh, deviant recruitment of, of, of children into it. Um, is, it, is it a federally recognized quote-unquote holiday or a month of holidays? I don't even know where it is because it, it kind of begs the question of how big this is. Is our entire government in on this, um, this movement? Well, that's a great question. I wish I knew the answer. And it, it's not, not that I want to John, throw Jonathan, another Jonathan, I'm going to do, Jonathan, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to let you find the answer because I just realized it's 1027. I'm well past my break. I'm going to take a time out here. We're going to get our newscast. Can you hang on through that, and we'll come back on the other side, and maybe we can kick this around a little bit more? Sure. Okay, good. Absolutely. Thank you. Jonathan Broadbent, uh, Protect Ohio Children North. We'll be right back with us after the news uh, because it is a question that's, that's worth an answer. Is the federal government in on this movement to, to essentially move toward, as he said historically, some of the um, most uh, totalitarian regimes we've ever seen, uh, murderous regimes we've ever seen? If the history that he is speaking of is accurate, we have to ask that question because there is a movement here that, unlike anything we've ever seen before. We'll talk about that as we continue on AM 1420. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. So if you follow me on uh, Truth Social, which is Trump's social media, Follow me there at Always Write WHK. Always Write WHK. You'll see I just posted a picture of a wonderful celebration of Pride Month. It's in San Francisco, and nothing says Pride quite like walking down the street in a parade wearing leather boy shorts and leather submission masks while being led around by on dog leashes by other leather-bound deviants. This is Pride Month. They're proud of that. What's a little bit more troubling than their pride in said deviance is the fact that children are following them in the parade. Little kids, no doubt given permission to be there, if not encouraged or forced to be there by their guardian slash parents slash adult authority figures in their lives, they're being influenced by what they see. They have no choice. It's not a matter of choice. They're children. They're impressionable, their minds are forming and developing, and this is what they are being exposed to. And this is what they want us to join with and celebrate as part of Pride Month. Uh, Not feeling very proud about that, to be honest with you. Got some uh, breaking news here before I go back to Jonathan Broadbent, too. The Supreme Court has ruled on several cases 
not, however, the one that could overturn Roe versus Wade. They have not yet ruled on Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, prolonging for at least one more week the wait for its opinion, which is expected to overturn the right to an abortion. So that's not coming today. It could happen by the end of the month. But I just wanted to give you that breaking news that the Supreme Court did issue several opinions this morning. None of them have to do with Dobbs. Jonathan Broadbent is back with us now. Jonathan is uh, with the Protect Ohio Children North organization, which is literally going out of its way to try to uh, shine a light on some of the horrific perversions that children are being recruited and groomed into, trying to tell parents, trying to tell schools to keep their hands off of kids in this regard. So, John, I asked you to go a little deeper uh, in the last segment there as we talked about whether or not the federal government is uh, is pushing this Pride Month situation officially as a part of maybe trying to, uh, you know, in the beginning or maybe even at the advanced stages uh, of, of communism, the way you described Russia uh, as doing years and years ago. And, uh, you know, you said you didn't really have an answer, but now that we had a few uh, commercials and some news, maybe you have one now. Yeah, as to the question of whether this is government-forced or organic, I'll tell you that we continue to research that my money is absolutely on government force. There's there's so much money moving in in the direction of this stuff, and it's just so massively organized. When you think about the, uh, in most recent value, uh, the most recent value, $150 billion flowing from federal... Uh, Department of Education into public schools throughout the nation. And Ohio's, I believe it was around $440 million to spread around. All of that had strings attached. And it's taken a long time for us to sort of peel the onion and figure out what those strings were. Last year it had to do with forced masking and all those sorts of things. My My strong suspicion is as we figure out what this money is going for and who is who has access to it and who doesn't, and how much they get, that we're going to discover that school districts are being financially motivated to bring this stuff in. That's, that's where my money is. Until we know for sure, I, I'm, I'm betting on that. And that one other piece, Bob, when you look at the pornography, the books that are written, the curriculum, this stuff didn't just show up overnight because some people really care about their... Uh, sexual lifestyle. This is very, very orchestrated. No, you're you're exactly right. It is, Jonathan, and I'm with you. By the way, I, I tend to lean that that way as well. That the government is certainly uh, financially beneficial. It's financially financially beneficial to many of them to advance this, and I do think it is more the the former than the latter. I don't think it is just organic. Not to say that there isn't enough growth in this particular. Um, movement now, this, uh, you know, this entire LGBTQ movement, they're adding new letters to it seemingly every day on its own to do this. But I do think there is a, uh, there is an agenda here in play for the, the Democrats. Because if for no other reason, Jonathan, we're talking to Jonathan Broadbent, if you just turned us on, if for no other reason, then then just flat out votes. Why are they going for assault weapons? Why are they going for gun rights and Second Amendment liberties guaranteed guaranteed us by the Constitution as opposed to protecting schools and about arming uh, staffers in schools? Why are they doing that? Because they feel like more people are outraged and they would get more votes. When you live your entire political life 
or your ideology by identity politics. And your whole goal is to find as many quote-unquote marginalized or oppressed groups as possible, become their champion, um, then you, you stand a pretty good chance of drawing all of their votes. They've tried this with many different racial and, and ethnic groups, and now they're trying it with the, you know, with the sexual stereotypes, uh, with the sexual orientation and the sexual identification and gender identification group. There is a movement here that I think is, it transcends just a belief in, uh, you know, personal identification. It has everything to do with gaining more political power. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, if we're going to be candid about what this represents from a political standpoint, it's actually a brilliant tactic. I mean, I, I hate to give credit to the left, but sometimes they deserve it because they just they put so much thought into horrendous, devious ways. If you think about it, what the left is effectively saying to children is we represent this good feeling. Stay with us, and you're going to feel good. And that, that can have any, any broad realm of sexual expression. That those terrible people, those Republicans, the people on the, on the right, they, they stand to block you. They, they're against us. You won't feel good if you go with them. If you catch my meaning, it's really, you know, sexualize everything and convince children that they have to align with leftist values in order to get that good feeling. That's from, from a political tactics standpoint, it's actually kind of brilliant. But the counter to that, um, I, and I, I always try to make a point of, and you know, I'm, I'm, I imagine your, your listeners are probably thinking, oh my gosh, what, there's just so much stuff all going on at once, and you know, how can we possibly fight back? If you'll, Bob, if you'll uh, give me a minute here, I want to throw out some some good news and some some positive direction for the group. Um, so, the, um, the protect Ohio children. One more piece of sort of struggle that we have, and then the good news. So, protect Ohio children is all over social media and things like Facebook. We constantly are battling that uh, algorithm throttling, that the fact checkers block things, et cetera. We include stuff about this uh, cross-dressing, and then they'll they'll slap a label on it and say that, you know, it hasn't been proven to be damaging to, to youth, and so you have to click through a few extra mouse clicks. But we're constantly pushing out there to try and um, get activity in on these pages to get the message out. Frankly, here's here's the answer in my book, and it it, it revolves around th- something that I call ABE. It's that's my uh, acronym for anything but education. As we see this stuff, as we saw critical race theory last year and comprehensive sexuality and social emotional learning, at the end of the day, the thing that will resonate with all parents, and this is the message we're really struggling to try and get out there consistently in in spite of all the uh, algorithms and throttling and everything. Mm -hmm. At at the end of the day, you know what really clicks with parents of all all across the political spectrum is education, academics, because I think everybody knows that education is the key that opens all doors. And we are in the process now of showing that this stuff, including, but not limited, to this exposure to uh, the the uh, 
drag queen story hour and all of that stuff, it mm -hmm. damages academics. I believe that we can prove it and we're showing it unequivocally. And that we're calling it the Academic Accountability Project, AAP for short. It's rolling out now and we've got school districts where we're showing pretty extreme drop off in all academics all across the board and all the major school districts. And I want to tie this all together. Okay. It's, it's a beautiful thing and a powerful tool to take before school boards to say, no, enough, stop doing it, get back to academics and focus on what you're there for. These charts are showing that not only the market drop-off in academics, mathematics, uh, English language, the sciences, you name it, but also going back to last year's trope, that whole um, the achievement gap that white and Asian kids were doing so much better than the, uh, the black kids, that's actually not improving, and in some cases it's actually getting worse. So that the, the drop-off in academics is hitting black inner-city children worse than it's hitting white and Asian. So it's exacerbating a known problem. So anybody that comes back and says, well, you know, we get it all the time. Well, you know what? There was a pandemic and we had COVID and people weren't in school. So it's, it's to be expected there was some academic drop-off. Okay, that's fine. I'll feed that point. However, don't you think now is the time that schools should be focusing exclusively on academics? Bring those back up again and then maybe bring around the transgender drag queen story hour and the pornography books and all those sorts of things. That argument, Bob, is winning. Uh, it is, Jonathan, and, uh, and all of that is very well, very well received and, um, and accurate. Um, I want to just bring up one other current event story here, Jonathan, because it's it's tied in, obviously, to what we're talking about. Um, it's not quite with the sexualizing of children, as you talked about here, but this is just important in the in the bigger picture here. And I love the Cleveland Plain Dealers presentation of this. Uh, maybe you saw this on uh, Thursday, or maybe you didn't. On the first day of LGBTQ Pride Month, Ohio House passes transgender sports ban. And the plain dealer went through to great lengths here to report this as being such a terrible thing to do to the LGBTQ community, especially on the first day of Pride Month, which would have been, of course, this past Wednesday. But HB 151 was passed 56 to 21 with all Democrats voting in opposition and uh, Republicans voting in favor of it. This, of course, levels the playing field, if you will, for girls playing uh, scholastic and college sports in the state of Ohio. Um, that's a pretty big step for our state, and uh, apparently, I guess, Governor DeWine is expected to sign this. Any thoughts on that? Well, so a lot to unpack there. Uh, Governor DeWine, in my book, is public enemy number one when it comes to education, so I don't trust anything that he's doing. I think Agreed. that he's probably going to sign that because it's an election year, and he think that he's he's feeling the pressure. Bingo. Um, candidly, I'm a, I'm opposed to him. He's making a few little false steps to try to get in the good graces of Ohioans. I did not actually see that article 
I've been on a, a bit of a, um, a plane dealer sabbatical since they just did terrible things on the CRT issue. I was so furious with them. And actually, you and I had some conversation about that some months ago. So that's that's news to me. If you'll forgive the analogy, the first thing that popped into my mind as you were recapping that article is Band-Aids. The reason for that is I remember a big thing some years ago about how terrible it was that Band-Aid companies made the Band-Aid color in Caucasian and how that was supposed to be some sort of sign of um, the, the white supremacy nature of Band-Aids. I'm sort of paraphrasing and exaggerating. No, I've heard it. Yeah, I've but, heard that argument, and that's exactly how they phrase it. Go ahead. Yeah, but it, it turned out to be ridiculous, and it was actually, for a minute there, I was thinking of it, and I was thinking, well, that's true. I've got black friends, and, you know, they probably, you know, think funny, you know, we're putting on a Band-Aid that's colored more like my skin tone because I'm Caucasian. But then somebody... It was actually a conservative black friend of mine who first posed the the, the logic and, and an alternative logic that made me think differently, and that is, hey, look, tw- African American black black folks uh, represent about twelve percent of America. Band Aid is a for profit company, and they're making for their broader, larger audience. They're making a product that they hope to sell to most people, and if if uh, enough black families come forward and say, hey, I don't really want to wear that. Can you make another product? If there's a market for it, then then the market should be developed, and there should be band-aids out there that are um, that have that are more in in line with a black skin tone. My point is that this whole push to try to blur the lines between genders and include mostly, I guess, probably exclusively boys and girls sports, strikes me as very similar, that there is, there is a percentage of people out there, and we don't, it's hard to identify who they are, it's harder than black versus white, um, but there are some people out there who are, they were born a boy, and they think for whatever reason, they think they're a girl, and they want to be an athlete, the thing is, to say that there is some percentage, so therefore the entire marketplace of all athletics needs to be changed, and all people need to go along with that, that's just so heavy-handed and so ridiculous and just so damaging to all of the work that's gone into female sports, men, girls, um, and to fight throughout the 80s and 90s and into 2000s, to, to make girls and then women's sports viable. And I think we're, we're really, we've made great strides. This destroys it. I think that the answer, like the development of black band-aids, uh, hopefully my analogy works here, um, but just like that, why not let the market develop? And if there are enough trans athletes that want to compete, maybe what they end up doing is competing in a new marketplace. Does that make sense? Um, what kind of new marketplace? So uh, there can be trans. There can be trans athletics. Okay, I, I yeah, would. That, that's why. That, that's why I thought you were going with that, and that's the reason I ask. And 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 I'll just tell you right off the right off the rip. Never work. Never happen. Never in a million years. 
And the reason why is they don't want to be thought of as trans this or that. Remember, what's the mantra, Jonathan? Trans women are real women. That's the mantra. That is, they want to be accepted as real women, not third party or third dimension beings that aren't either male nor female or males who females who used to be males they just say they're women that's why there are there there are advocates who say that men can get pregnant um and that that women can produce sperm um they they literally want to be thought of as the other sex that which they are not physiologically biologically and genetically and chromosomally um, so that's why a lot of people say, well, let's just create a trans category. Boys, here's the boys champion, here's the girls champion, and here's the trans champion. No, 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 because you will be demonizing them. You will be bigoted against them if you call them a trans category. No, 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 I'm a woman. I don't care if I have testicles. I don't care if I have a high amount of testosterone, and I don't care uh, that if I can't con- conceive of a child, I feel like a woman, therefore you will call me a woman and I will race against women, or I will sue you. That there will never be a trans category. All right. So here's a comment that once again highlights the hypocrisy of the left. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Elizabeth Warren? They were calling her, um, I don't know, some sort of Native Fo- American name or something. Pocahontas so, was a great one. Pocahontas. Thank yes. you. So <laughs> she she identified as Indian. Where do we draw the line? Where where is that line drawn? Is it today? It's gender. So gender bullish, but could it be anything? Could could I um, could I be black? Could, well, you, you will you know, ask, ask Rachel Dolezal all that question. Uh, that's Rachel, another great right? A, right, that's another great example. So no, it's not fair to say in a broader society that whatever you identify as is what you are, and therefore the world needs to to bend to your uh, to your belief system. So this, yes. uh, I, what's her name? Leah Thompson, the Leah swimmer. Thomas. Yeah, Leah, Leah Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. Leah Thomas. Thank you. So Leah Thomas, the, one of the I don't know if you caught this, Bob, but the, one of the uh, one of her one of his her t- teammates, um, he came out and said, "Look, I have to be anonymous. I can't I can't attach my name to this, or I'm done." But the deal is that Leah Thomas has all of the male parts. Um, nothing's been removed, um, you know. So we walk around in the locker room, and and here's this uh, this person who's on our team who towers over everybody else. And um, for, I guess the the if I understand correctly, the requirement is they have to have been taking uh, um, hormone yeah. blockers or some something for one year. So we have this person who absolutely looks like a male. Um, walking around in the locker room with male parts and stuff. Well, are, yeah, they, they are male. She is, a, he, excuse me, he is a male. There's no question about it. And, and it wasn't just one teammate who had said anonymous, particularly as they got to the end of the year, so many more of them started speaking out and talking about how terrible it was that they had to endure that, uh, that this guy with his junk hanging out in the locker room and they had to actually be friends with him and then politely smile and clap whenever he would win and relegate them to second and third places, even on their own teams and so forth. They all talked about about it uh, as it winded down, he began to wind down rather uh, how, how terrible this was, and it's going to continue to be that way because the movement is going to continue. And by the way, 
well, I'll hold this story for another time, Jonathan, because I'm out of time. It's 10.58. Jonathan uh, Broadbent um, doing tremendous work for Protect Ohio Children, Protect Ohio Children North in particular. Thank you for your thoughts on everything that we just discussed. It's all breaking very, very fast during Recruitment Month, otherwise known as Pride Month to some. I appreciate your time very much, Jonathan. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me, Bob. Take care. 10.58, right back after this. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. It's a Monday, sixth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. 78 years ago today, 78 years ago, the world was saved. My fellow Americans... Last night, when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed. But we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame 
Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace. 
a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. Okay, 11.20 now on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer, online at alwaysright.us. I just felt like we needed to play that prayer <clears throat> from the president as the troops went to, um, uh, went to uh, storm the beaches of Nazi-occupied France and save the world. It was um, just one of the most monumental times and the most monumental events in world history. Let me say that again, in world history, not American history, in world history. And as it is D-Day plus 78, I feel like this was certainly warranted. I welcome your thoughts on that and more. 216-901-0945, Let me get a quick call in here from BJ, who's in North Olmsted. Hi, BJ, go ahead. Thank you. I'd like to introduce a word that has caused more problems for society than any other word, is tolerance. These young women that are on a swim team are tolerating a person. They should all get out of that pool. That's what you have to do. You have to become a little bit intolerant to the things that are no longer tolerable. And and we and the acceptance of many, many things that people tell us. Pit bulls are loving animals. They bite a lot of people. Dogs bite a lot of people. We tolerate too damn much anymore in our society. We tolerate homosexuality, guys walking around dragging, bragging, and, and pedophiles. If you're going to be tolerant, you have to accept an intolerable behavior from people. And that's a, that's a situation. My 91 years, that prayer was beautiful back then. I remember 1941 when World War II broke out. I was 11 years old. And it stayed in my mind from that day because my mother told me we were at war. I didn't even know what the hell war was. And it went on for a long time, and I saw a lot of gold stars going up in windows of families. But we weren't tolerant with the behavior of what happened in Europe and Germany and Japan. But we're becoming tolerant about too damn many things in our world. And if we're going to be tolerant, we have to expect the intolerable behavior of people. And I thank you for your time, Rob. Thank you, uh, BJ, for the call. Um, you know, t- I would be more tolerant of tolerance if it were a two-way street. That's the, that's the biggest problem as I see it. We're tolerant of everything we're told we should be tolerant of, and yet those who disagree with us have no tolerance whatsoever for our point of view. None. They cancel it. They silence it. Every opportunity that they get, they try to silence us. They call us bigot, a bigoted if we don't say it exactly the way they say it. Uh, you know, we're the ones who have got to be canceled. That's the biggest problem with the tolerance, if you will, that BJ is talking about here is that it's never reciprocated. If they understood that, look, how about we find some, some balance here, a fair and balanced approach to, for example, Pride Month. The, the left wants to say, oh, you need to be, pro- uh, you need to be, uh, uh, tolerant of these people and their rights to be proud. They can be. They want to be proud of who they are, and they want to say it out loud. Personally, I don't care. I have never gone up to somebody that I didn't know and said, "Hey, do you like to have sex with men like yourself or women?" And vice versa. I don't care. 
I don't care. No one cares. They want to dance in the streets and say, I like to have sex with men. I'm gay. I'm proud. But that doesn't stop there. They want you to be waving a flag as they go by. A rainbow flag. And if you don't, you're the bigot. They don't tolerate your, first of all, they don't even tolerate your heterosexuality. Can you imagine if you wanted to celebrate it? Not tolerate it, but celebrate it. If there was a straight pride parade, oh, what a bunch of bigots. Oh, what a bunch of horrible, phobic people that just hate for the purpose of hating, blah, 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 blah. Wait a minute. I thought the whole point here was we're celebrating what we like to have sex with, what our sexual attraction is to. You say you're born that way. Okay, well, this is how I was born. Why do you get to celebrate yours and I have to keep mine quiet? reality is I wouldn't want to have a parade like that because I don't care and nobody else cares either. So if we're going to have a two-way street of tolerance here, we have to be tolerant and say, go have your parade. Go ahead. But here's our side. Here's our, um, I don't know how to phrase this, but here's, here's our demand, If I guess, if you want to do that. We demand that you, if you demand that we be tolerant of your lifestyle choices, We demand that you be tolerant of our protection of children. Don't drag little kids into your own lifestyle. Your own, you know, very graphic, over-sexualized activities. Because kids don't deserve that. Kids don't belong in sexualized activities. Kids aren't sexual. It's only the American left, the radical American left, which seems like it's all governed by NAMBLA now. Do you know what NAMBLA is, right? The North American Man-Boy Love Association? The, the, the left seems to be governed by that mantra that children are sexual beings and that there's nothing wrong with it, even with adults. And so where's the tolerance of our point of view that children who are not sexual beings don't deserve to be dragged into drag time story hour? or drag queen story hour, or drag shows at bars, like the one in Texas, where there are signs for the little kids to read that say, it isn't going to lick itself. Another one that says, I licked it so it's mine, in gay bars. Why are children in bars of any kind? Much less gay bars, much less indoctrination centers. If tolerance is the standard here, and BJ's entire call was about tolerance, and about how we tolerate too much, and then it leads to some some extraordinary things. But if, if it's all about tolerance, then I demand that they tolerate our point of view, and that is if you want to be perverted and deviant, and you want to crawl down the streets of a major American city on your hands and knees while wearing leather panties as a man, being led around on a dog leash by somebody else wearing a leather uh, negligee outfit, I guess, for lack of a better word. If you want to do that nonsense, fine. But do not put the children in the parade with you, teaching them that this is normal, that this is okay, this is acceptable behavior, because I'm going to tell you something, it's not. I'm not telling you to try to be something that you're not. If that's what you feel like you are, go ahead. But you leave the kids out of it. That is where we will draw the line. There is no tolerance for that. 
You don't do this stuff in schools. You don't bring kids from schools to this stuff in the in your places of business. You don't take your own deviancy and try to push it on other people for the purposes of growing your membership, growing your numbers, growing your movement, advancing whatever it is politically that you feel like you need to advance. That's where our line is drawn and stand. That's where our tolerance comes in. We'll tolerate you and your celebration of your lifestyle if that's what you want, but don't demand that we celebrate it with you. Don't demand that if we're not marching alongside you, waving a a, a rainbow flag, don't say that we're bigots. Don't condemn us and try to cancel us. Do you and let us do ourselves. Let us be us. You be you. And leave our kids out of it. Leave our kids out of it. That's it. That's simple. I don't think that's unfair. Chuck is in uh, Cleveland. Hi, Chuck. We're going to take time out. All right, I'm told not yet. Uh, if you're on hold, stay there. We'll come to you right after the bottom of the hour news. Hey, let me take this last minute of this half hour though to remind you about getting your tickets at whkradio.com. Whkradio.com. Uh, get your tickets for our 100th, our centennial celebration. We are 100 years old at WHK. It was literally 1922 when the signal was flipped on for the first time. We are the oldest radio station in the state of Ohio. And celebrating our heritage as a century-old radio station, we are going to celebrate with some of the great things that we've done through the years, including music from Top Dog, which is a Beatles cover. Beatles were first brought to Cleveland by WHK. Uh, monumental time. Uh, there's going to be tremendous drinks, food. If you get a VIP ticket, by the way, you get to hang in the VIP area with special men, a special menu, private seating, access to that beautiful outdoor patio at Harry Buffalo in North Olmsted, um, whiskey-tasting flights, cigars. I mean, it's just a tremendous thing. If you get your VIP tickets, you'll talk to me and Tom Kelly as well. Uh, and then your general admission tickets include a buffet dinner and two drink tickets as well. It's going to be a great time. Doors will open at 4.30 for VIP. Doors will open at 6 for general admission. Music begins at 7. And tickets are on sale now at whkradio.com. That's whkradio.com. You can also see the link to our 100th anniversary celebration at the top of the page on alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. So join us. We were canceled from a downtown venue in downtown Cleveland. We wanted to make it centralized for people to come from all over. But we got canceled because somebody decided that they didn't like our politics after looking at our website. It's a non-political event. But somebody didn't like the fact that we, uh, well, they didn't like our politics. Let's just leave it at that. And so this uh, music-type place that uh, operates in a box uh, pulled the rug right out from underneath us. And we said, okay, we'll take you to a place that wants us. And Tony George and uh, Harry Buffalo stepped up immediately. Let's, uh, Let's celebrate this in spite of the cancel culture that the left continues to push upon us. Get your tickets now at whkradio.com. whkradio.com. Right back. Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always Right Radio with Bob France. On the answer. You do see the Democrats' motives. Their motive here is to simply take the Second Amendment away from uh, your Second Amendment liberties away from law, law-abiding Americans. I mean, it, it's about getting your guns. I mean, this, this bill that we had, we, we, we debated it for, I don't know, eight, ten hours on, on uh, last Thursday, and the Democrats passed out a committee. Uh, it, it tells you what kind of gun you can get, when you can get a gun, and where and how you have to store it in your own darn home. I mean, a, a law-abiding American. So it, it's not about hardening schools. 
increasing the security posture and presence at schools and making sure the learning environment is safe for students and teachers. It's not about that. It's about taking away your Second Amendment rights, plain and simple. Congressman Jim Jordan joined me in hour number one this morning talking about exactly that. This has nothing to do with saving lives, nothing to do with protecting kids in schools. If it did, they would talk about hardening schools. It is about power continuing to empower itself. That's it, period. When something tragic happens, the ruling class always tries to find a way to strengthen its grip on power. And that's what happened here. Somebody somebody went in and shot up a school. Therefore, a whole bunch of people who did not go in and shoot up schools have to lose their guns so that the government has more power over them. Never let a good crisis go to waste. A very common refrain. And I'll give you another one that I think is a really, really great description of this whole thing. Um. Because I, I just saw this actually on uh, on social media during one of our breaks, and I grabbed it and I wanted to share it. Here it is from John Craig. Want to stop drunk drivers from killing sober drivers? Ban sober drivers from driving. That's how gun control works. Want to stop bad guys with guns from killing good guys? Take away the good guys' guns. Don't let them use the weapon that is being used against them. That's exactly what it is. It's not about protecting lives. It's about continuing and expanding power. Never under, never underestimate that. Chuck in Cleveland is next. Chuck, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away, sir. Hey, thanks, Bob. Um, yeah, my father was a Marine in World War II. He fought in the South Pacific, and he got wounded on the island of Saipan, and he got shot in the leg. And if he didn't come home, me and all my brothers and sisters wouldn't be here. God so bless anyway, him. Thanks for taking my call, Bob. God bless him. God bless him. Thank you for the for the call, Chuck. I appreciate it. You know, we, we, I'll be honest with you. We we have um. Something of a bias, I think, um, toward the European theater of war uh, from World War II. Those who, who follow it, study it, look at it, remember it, observe it, and so forth, because Hitler is Hitler. Nobody talks about the Empire of Japan. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. We're, we're around Pearl Harbor, of course, certainly, and VJ Day. We do celebrate, and, and of course, we dropped the, the, the atomic bombs on, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Don't get me wrong, but I just mean when people think World War II, what do we normally think of? We think Hitler and the Nazis, Hitler and the Nazis, Hitler and the Nazis. Therefore, days like this, uh, you know, D-Day plus 78, January, or June 6th, uh, 1944, uh, you know, was, was the day, as I said, that the world was saved. It needed to be saved on the other side of the world, too. It needed to be saved in the Pacific Theater. So people like Chuck's father, uh, who was wounded, as he said, uh, serving uh, uh, in, in the Pacific Theater, uh, you know, are every bit of heroes. That's why I kind of when I, when I said at the beginning of the program, and I just on, went off on an off-the-cuff, um, you know, commentary on uh, on on D-Day plus seventy-eight. I, I talked about the heroes that saved the world that day, who stormed Normandy, and of course the hundred first that parachuted in before. And we just talk about it, and then I kind of stopped myself and said, by the way, that is not, of course, to denigrate the efforts 
of all of those who got us to that point, all of those who got into the war uh, when, it, when it began in 1941, either uh, for us, it began in 1941 for us, of course, with the bombing of Pearl Harbor, but either uh, enlisted or drafted, all of those who fought are just as much of heroes. And then I had to expand that, and by the way, you know, of course, we have to think about those who, who fought and, and, and lost their lives and, and who were wounded and, and did heroes' work in, in the Pacific against uh, Japan. So it's, it's extremely important that we recognize all of those things. And I think we do a fairly good job of that on Memorial Day and on other times when we talk about it. But today is specifically D-Day, and, uh, and we do talk about the heroism of those who, uh, who, who, uh, who just sacrificed it all. I can't describe everything that needs, you know, and, and you don't need me to describe it, those of us who know this anyway. Uh, you cannot imagine the fear that must have been through their trembling hearts uh, as they approached that shore and approached that, approached that beach, Omaha Beach and more uh, on that day. And uh, to do what they did, knowing full well that it had to be done in order to save future generations of, for, for, for their own liberty, they were willing to sacrifice their own lives is simply remarkable. And thank you, Chuck, for reminding us as well. Real quick, as I get close to wrapping here, here because we're going to hand this over to Bill O'Reilly to take it to the top of the hour. There was one story I did not finish because in my interview with uh, Jonathan Broadbent from Protect Ohio Children, I said, "Sorry, we're just out of time." I wanted to give it give it to you real quick because it's about this, you know, Pride Month, also known as Recruiting Month, also known as Grooming Month, also known as Indoctrination Month, because that's what it's become. It is no longer about just being proud of who or what you are or what you like to sleep with. Uh, it's about trying to pull in more recruits. It's trying to indoctrinate more. Uh, young people into thinking that this is, an okay, is, is a good lifestyle. The Carolina Panthers chose Pride Month to announce. This is an NFL team. They have just added their first transgender member to the cheer squad. And all I can say as I look at the uniforms is they better get some longer skirts. That's all the time we've got today. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of it. We'll see you tomorrow. Cursing our day tomorrow. Have a great day. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.